Welcome to another episode of the Self Storage Insight Podcast. Uh, today I'm joined by an exciting guest. Uh, Andreas Macris is with me today from the Bledsoe Self Storage Group. And uh, Andreas has a self storage facility as well as involved uh, in brokering facilities now. And so we're going to talk about today on the podcast should I buy a facility in 2024? What does the market look like for the next few months as far as uh, with all the things going on with interest rates and, and the housing market and everything like that? And so uh, excited to have you on the podcast with me today, Andreas. If you don't mind, could you give us a little bit of your background and uh, how you got started in self-storage. So yeah, in uh, 2010, um, I had a moving and storage company. Um, we were renting at the time and we always were looking to expand our location and find something much larger to uh, accommodate um, our storage clients. And uh, it took us about six years to find the right location. And it became a self-storage location uh, that we had found about 30 minutes from our original location in Huntington Valley, Pennsylvania. Uh, from there, um, I had purchased that self-storage facility in 2017 uh, from the listing broker, Kevin Bledsoe, which is the team that I currently work with. Um, oh, so nice. that kind of goes into how I got into brokerage was I always stayed in contact with uh, Kevin. Um, great person, uh, has tremendous knowledge of the self-storage industry. And um, as my years in the commercial real estate world, that I was always buying real estate um, with family and friends uh, in more or so multifamily and commercial warehouses. Um, and then as I, as I purchased my first facility in 2017, I saw the tremendous advantages of owning a self-storage facility compared to other asset classes and other types of businesses. Right. So that which really got me intrigued uh, into the self-storage world. And from there, um, I wanted to expand uh, my network and my knowledge and influence. So I had joined uh, Kevin Bledsoe at the Marcus and Millichap uh, Bledsoe Self-Storage Group in 20, at the end of 2022. Um, and currently, um, this is probably, I'm at the age of 42 where I can say I found my true passion of what I love to do. Um, awesome. So it's exciting. It's really exciting. Yeah, very cool. And so how how does it, I guess, vary from investing in multifamily uh, and then moving into storage? Uh, a lot of similarities, a lot of differences. What are, what are some things that stick out to you there? So the, the things that stick out, uh, you know, the cons of owning a multifamily, you know, you have these 12 o'clock, uh, midnight calls, my heat's gone, my heat, my heat doesn't work. There's plumbing issues, clogged toilets, drains. So in multifamily, there tend to be more uh, emergencies, you know, more demand from your, your tenants. Um, so it, it tends to be more headaches, so to speak. Right. Um, and I think at the end of a turnover, when a tenant leaves uh, in multifamily, there is a lot of capex or you know improvements that have to be done when that tenant moves out whereas in storage when they move out it's just a clean sweep and we're mm -hmm. good to go for the next customer right um, so there's a lot less headaches um it is you know multifamily versus self-storage storage is a business right where you have customers you and you have to have great customer service um great communication uh great uh, visibility and great, you know, security on, on the facilities. Right. Uh, but as far as for overall management, I feel that self-storage is probably um, right there compared, like as 
say the easiest business to run in any asset class. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Great insight as well. And uh, so as far as, far as uh, you know, with your facility, do you just have the one facility there or have you purchased additional facilities since 2017? Uh, I only have the one facility. Um, okay. We're going through a transition where we're selling some of our other commercial properties and we're just getting ready uh, to, you know, be on the lookout for any opportunities coming out in 2024. Right. And, and do you still do the moving uh, business as well? Or, or did you? Yes, kind of- I still do the moving business uh, as well. Um, I have other, I have another venture that I'm involved with, but primarily going into 2024, uh, I'm strictly focusing on brokerage um, and self-storage and uh, leaving my other two businesses uh, with uh, the right management in place and, nice. uh, you know, focusing yeah. on storage currently. Absolutely. So that'll be the transition part will be fun. And, uh, but yeah, (laughs) and uh, awesome. Yeah. Very exciting. So, I mean, there's a lot of correlation as well between those businesses, you know, even just within moving and storage, moving is the main driver of storage. And so um, it's really nice to actually have that additional asset where you can kind of even gauge the market for the moving with the moving business for, for the storage facilities as well. So um, I actually talked to a lot of people that it seems like they've got into storage through the moving, you know, Avenue and stuff. And so, uh, yeah, that's, that's very cool. What, what is your take then? So heading into 2024, you're going to be focusing on the broker side of, of self storage and uh, brokering deals. How do you kind of feel that the market is setting up for the upcoming year versus what we kind of just saw last year? So, from what I'm gauging and what, what, you know, what I've gathered so far is there's still, you know, some, there's still that gap of buyer's expectations, seller's expectations on pricing. Um, you know, people are starting to come to realization that the coronavirus era uh, where we saw rates drastically shoot up, um, it's going to be uh, very difficult to get to that point again. So people are starting to realize that, you know, the pricing that that they were getting in uh, a year and a half ago, it's not going to happen. So the value of their facilities have changed. Right. Right. Um, So moving forward, I think uh, you will start to see more inventory come out uh, due to sellers coming to realization of where they stand. Um, And those sellers are the ones that are looking to sell. Uh, mostly because of they're at that time of retirement, um, you know, and maybe a few that are in distress where they had purchased uh, overpriced right. properties uh, back in 2021 and uh, they're feeling the heat now. Right. So, you know, I think that there's going to be more opportunities coming about. I don't see it being um, a fantastic or like one of those years, like, oh, we got to, you know, there's so many deals out there. It's going to be tough. Right. I think it's going to be tough because as far as for why will it be tough is that financing is is getting financing today. Uh, banks are, are, are very, very stringent on, on what they're loaning out. And what we're seeing is, you know, 50 to 60% loan to values. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that makes it more difficult to purchase right. property when, you know, we're talking about two, $3 million and up. Um, you know, I think that the market this year will still, you'll still, you'll start to, you'll see still more smaller facilities, um, you know, priced um, a million and under, you will see a good, a fair amount of those facilities um, selling uh, because they're at an easier price point. Right. Uh, 
and the ones that are two million and above, um, it, it it will have to make sure that that property going out um, has room for growth, and you know it already is cash flowing properly because a lot of banks right now they're not going off a of year one pro formos, whereas in 2021 when we saw these three four cap rate deals. Banks were going off of the year one, year two, year three projections. Mm -hmm. uh, and with the way that the environment is, banks are not doing that. So it's just, again, lending is, is becoming very tough. Right. And and it, and it switched so fast. It seemed like as far as that transition with interest rates jumping as quickly as they did, you know, people were looking at their, at their facilities and, you know, you're, you were getting a four or five cap that made a lot of sense. And then all of a sudden, that doesn't make any sense at all for a buyer. Correct. And so, and so, you know, the seller still thinks my value is high. The buyer says, no, that obviously doesn't work anymore. But that's, that change happened over like 12 months of time, you know, so it, it is very, it's a very interesting time. And I, I agree with you though. I do see a lot of deals coming out this year, but I think it's going to be a lot of work to get those deals done in a way that makes sense for both the buyer and the seller. And so, you know, I, I look at a lot of like, um, you know, um, seller financing, that sort of thing is becoming more and more popular as we go through the higher interest rates and they're looking to sell their facility, but they just need to figure out a way to make the deal work at, at a six or a seven cap, you know, because it doesn't work if you're borrowing the money at a 7% interest rate. Um, sure. and so, so yeah, I'm very curious to see how the year will play out. I am kind of hoping as far as, you know, with the election year coming up, you just never know what to expect, right. Going into an election cycle and how much that's going to play into, all of the stuff that might happen, but usually in election years, then there's not as much fluctuation in interest rates. So hopefully we'll at least stabilize somewhere a little below 7% would be what I'd like to see. But what, what's your thought on that as far as interest rates uh, fluctuating throughout the year? Yeah, I think, I think after, you know, Q2, I think we will, I feel that we'll see interest rates under seven. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that once, we see that. Uh, I think then, you know, the, the demand for, for buyers will start to come out and, and again, underwrite properties that they thought they would not underwrite at that time, you know, because of the interest rate. So I think that once we see interest rates go under seven, um, opportunities will start to arise. Uh, there will be more interest coming back in because a lot of people are still cautious right mm -hmm. now. They're very cautious. Um, everybody's thinking that maybe, you know, an opportunity is going to pass up due to the market where mm -hmm. people are distressed. So you have a lot of people on the sidelines waiting for that, um, that perfect uh, deal to, to, to exercise on. So, right. you know, I think that Q2, end of Q2, we'll start to see more activity and transactions happening. Okay. And, and as far as where you're uh, with your brokering and, and what, how you're working those deals and, and, you know, what, where, what markets are you looking for as far as to try to find deals to bring, to bring to the table? So I, I typically like to go after markets that I would invest in um, and not just myself, but the, the, the network and contacts that we have of, of the investors. Right. So, you know, I, I kind of keep a, a pulse on what everybody's saying. And if I'm hearing, for example, North Carolina, okay, what parts of North Carolina am I hearing the most? Is it Raleigh? Is it Charlotte? Is it the, the, the coast, the coastal? Um, you know, once when I start to hear Pulse and I start to hear these areas more than five, six times within a month, 
then I start to, you know, focus on those areas. And I try to stay on top of the areas and trends because what I tried to see is, you know, the most popular cities that everybody's moving to, uh, retirees or where are they moving to, uh, you know, trying to keep up with those trends just to try to stay ahead of the game. Right. Um, for sure. There's so much, there's so much information out there. Um, so, you know, just trying to stay ahead of everything. Always uh, I'm calling all markets um, just to get a pulse of where sellers are, where buyers are. Um, and, you know, you, you just, you never know, What's what? What I've noticed is because there's so many, there's so many things moving out there. There's so much moving parts. Um, you know what I always recommend and how I stay informed is, you know, I try to have a couple contacts in each state, mm-hmm. um, and I try to always touch base with them, see what's going on, get a pulse, and always just stay in the loop. Okay, uh, that's the most important thing, and that's why it's very important to stay in touch with brokers, right? Um, you know, because brokers are like that extension of a pulse of, because brokers talk to many owners, uh, you know, bankers, we talk to everybody. We talk right. to, you know, every, every touch point that is involved in self storage, we, 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 we speak with. So, you know, brokers are very important. Um, I hear sometimes, Oh, why I don't need a broker. Uh, well, mm. that's fine. That, that's great. Uh, everybody has their opinion, but I think that if you want to stay ahead in this, environment where there's too many things, too much information out there, so many things out there, and everything is moving very fast. The key thing to stay ahead of the game is to always be in touch with the people that are staying informed. Right. And that's what I like to do. And I recommend that to everybody. Yeah, that's great. That's great advice. I I was actually listening to another real estate podcast uh, on my way to work this morning and they were talking about, it was multifamily investing. And I just like to kind of keep, you know, I like to keep tabs on, you know, different investment types and stuff and see how other, how other markets are handling it. And he was saying like the first thing that he does when he goes into a new market is he's going to meet with several brokers in that area and try to establish some relationships and as well as meeting with other property managers and things like that, just to try to build up a network within a market that he's interested in. You know, again, this guy focuses, and I I would kind of be curious your thoughts on this, but he said, you know, when he's investing, he focuses on three to five markets. That's where he wants to put his money. And that way he doesn't have to learn so many different markets and he can really drive down on those areas. What, what is your thoughts on people that are looking to invest in storage, but they're almost spreading themselves too thin by looking at too many different areas? Well, that's a good or, question. I don't know if, if you can ever, like, you, listen, you spread yourself thin when you don't have the right people that are helping you, right? Mm-hmm. When you don't have the right process in place, you could spread your, if you're doing everything yourself. Yeah, you're, you're spreading yourself thin. Um, if you have the right network and the right group of people that are assisting you at the right team that is helping you grow. And, you know, if you have a team and if you have a contact in every market and you feel comfortable with that contact, giving you that, that information, mm-hmm. I don't think you could ever spread yourself thin unless you're not properly staffed or have right. the right group of, of people helping you making those decisions. Okay. Um, so there's third party management, right? So third party management uh, will help an owner uh, that owns a facility, let's say in Cal- Los Angeles, California, but they're based in Miami, Florida. Right. Uh, you know, th- there's many different tools out there to help an owner have a facility anywhere in the United States. It's just, it's a matter of understanding that market and buying it at the right price and understanding where the growth is and where that growth will be in three to five years. 
Right. So, you know, everything is kind of like a gamble, but you need to have the right team in place giving you the right information to make those right decisions. Absolutely. And I mean, that's a great point. Yeah. If, if you try to do everything yourself, you definitely limit yourself to, to your own time and your own, the, uh, the abilities that you have. So uh, a great point on that. The, the one other thing that they mentioned that I thought was interesting was how important the broker relationship was that he creates, because a lot of times then whenever he lets them know what his buy box looks like or what he's looking for specifically in a market, he'll find out about them deals before anybody else because he stays in touch with the broker. He has a good relationship with them and they want to give him some business. Um, and so yeah. That, that, you know, as far as making them relationships and then, you know, seeing some return on that, that that's a great way to find uh, good, good deals when they're coming up. I think that's one of the most important strategies for any investor is to build those relationships with brokers because how I work when I, when I'm investing or when I'm, when I'm the broker and I'm helping out the buyer and the seller, it's all about relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I tend to deal and I like to deal with genuine people, but also, People that that can 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 go through the steps of what they say they're going to do, right? And they keep their word because integrity in this in, in this world is very big. Um, you know, when when you say you're going to be able to do something, you actually go through. And brokers love investors that make the transaction process very simple and seamless, and know what to expect from them. You right. know, and and that's why brokers will dish out deals to certain investor groups or investors because of the relationship they built mm-hmm. and also because of their experience that they had with them and based on the experience of the transaction. Right. So, you know, that's, that's one of the key factors of major, major reason why you should stay in touch with the broker because as investors, investors are looking to make money. And a broker is your extension on finding you the right investments. Because again, you can't do everything as an investor. Yeah, you, you may have your own team that is searching for deals, but the more branches that you have out there that are looking for you, absolutely, more of a chance of you getting that right deal. Yeah, for sure. So, so with all the kind of switch directions a little bit here now, like with, with all of the interest that has seems like has hit self storage, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of buzz around the industry. Everybody in the last couple of years was realizing this is a really good investment. It seems like it's really boomed as far as people wanting to get started in self storage. Do you end up dealing with a lot of people that are looking for their first time purchase, or do you mainly work with people that have facilities and are, and are adding to their book? That's a, uh, that's a great question. Um, I help any and everybody. So you know, if you're asking me what am I currently working with lately, um, mostly it's buyers that have experience in in this industry. They have over, I would say, typically it's five to ten facilities or more. Okay. Um, you know, but again, depending on the size of the deal, you know, million dollar properties and less, they are typically first time buyers or somebody that has maybe one or two facilities. Um, but lately. Uh, again, the, the transactions that we're seeing is usually from uh, experienced, seasoned uh, operator investors in the self-storage world. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I'm always curious because I mean, I, I I'm in a bunch of different like Facebook groups and you know forums and things like that, and it seems like I mean that's like the question that always comes up is like, oh, I'm looking to get into storage and I'm looking in this market for for a facility. Does anybody know of anything that's available? And I mean, there's just tons of people that are, you know, interested in it. I was just curious, you know, like how many people do you end up working with? Yeah. For 
that actually end up getting started in it versus, you know, that just ask the questions and never well, take any action. on it. Well, it's all about the vetting. You know, when I, when I, when I meet with people that want to get into the self storage world, you know, I kind of ask them, do you have equity in place? You have money in place. Do you have a loan in place or do you have a pre-approval? You know, if you've done, if they've done their due diligence on getting the right, you know, getting ready to purchase, then, you know, I'm more inclined to, to again, walk them down that path. But right. when typically somebody just says, oh, I have no experience, I'm looking to get into it. Well, typically you got to do your homework. And then, you know, what I recommend is, you know, doing your homework, talking to brokers, talking to uh, storage owners that, um, that you can reach out to them. Because a lot of, I'm a self-storage owner. And if somebody calls me uh, and I've had a few calls where they're looking to get some knowledge and understanding, I'm more than happy to talk to them. Right. You know, and I find it to be that a lot of self-storage owners are very open-minded to giving any advice to people. So it's a great industry to be in. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I, I talk to owners and operators daily, you know, multiple of them and, and most of them are willing to share their experience as far as like giving tips or helping somebody else that is struggling with something or has questions. And I mean, yeah. it is a, it is a very different industry as far as like, you can talk to somebody that you've never met but just about a storage facility and they're, and they're very open and receptive to that. And so, um, yeah, it, it is a little bit of a different, a different industry from some of the other ones that I've, that I've worked in. So. Very cool. Yes. Awesome. So then, um, I guess kind of, uh, moving forward with this would be like, what, what do you see in the next, you know, five to 10 years as far as investments in storage? I know we kind of talked about what we're looking at this year. Uh, I think that it's going to be a, you know, a lot of work, over the next year or two to find good deals and to make sure you're getting deals across the finish line. But what, what's kind of your pulse for the industry moving forward, you know, the next five to 10 years, longer term? Well, I think, you know, technology is going to be a big factor uh, moving forward. Um, you know, the convenience, uh, you know, I think again, you know, making sure that, you know, every facility that's going to be running in the next five to 10 years, it's going to need to be, making sure that their technology is up to date and adequate uh, for the demand of the customer experience. Um, because it just, in this day and age, the customer sentiment and expectations are always rising with technology making things very easy. Um, so I think that's gonna be a big factor. And whoever does not um, adhere to the technology is gonna be losing out on a lot of, on a lot of business. Right. For sure. Because, you know, when, when, like, for example, somebody that has a self-storage facility that does not have online renting is, you know, kind of in the dust, so to speak. Um, now, they may be in a market where nobody has a website and nobody has online rental, but eventually somebody will. Mm -hmm. And a competition that moves in is going to have that. Right. And then it's going to just change, change the ecosystem of that area. And then customers are going to find out, Oh, it's so much easier to do this. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I really, I really highly recommend, um, to stay in touch and stay up to date with all the technology that's coming out in self storage. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as for competition, competition is getting harder, right? Because of the rate management. So, you know, a lot of the REITs now, uh, what they're doing is, you know, they're advertising such low prices uh, on their on their websites. And yep. then what happens is that two, three months later, they jack them up to to the current market rate mm -hmm. um, and it's working for them. 
they wouldn't do it if it wasn't working for them. Right. Absolutely. And unfortunately, a lot of owners are afraid to do this. Now, uh, I understand if you're in a market where there's no REITs, yeah, I would be hesitant to be very careful. Do your standard uh, rate increases, you know, once a year if you can. Um, you know, anywhere from three to six percent would be great. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're in an urban environment or in an environment where there's REITs around you, you have to play that game because a lot of customers are thinking that the REITs are cheaper. Mm -hmm. Right. And you're not because you're you're being transparent. You're telling the truth. Right. right? And and again, and this is where it's, 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 it's a catch 22. It's, it's a catch 22 yeah. because you don't want to lie to your customer or you don't want to misrepresent what you're stating. But if if the if the big players are doing it, it's going to come a time where you're going to have to do it. And and what happens is if you're too late, it may be too late to do it right um you know so you know it, it's very important that again you stay aware of what's going on in your market i always check rates um talk to owners in your area stay in the loop because as we move forward and as we've seen times technology and the the advancements that are happening in every industry are rapidly changing quickly Mm -hmm. And the more Absolutely. that we stay on top of these changes, it's going to better prepare you for a better future. Right. It's kind of interesting that you brought that up as far as the, with what the REITs are doing with their price increases and uh, kind of, you know, they kind of slide them into where they don't even really give you a heads up that that's what's going to take place, but they know the average life of a tenant's 10 months and they're going to make a bunch of money back by getting their rates up over four months and, and that, that whole game that they're playing. And so I just read an article yesterday where they were talking about, I think MSM put it out where it was just, you know, the dangers that are going to come with that as far as possible government regulation, if they keep overstepping and over, you know, it, at some point it's going to end up getting looked at as price gouging and, you know, um, they're going to do it to the wrong person. And then somebody's you know going to start uh, working it towards uh, regulation or something like that. So I'll be kind of curious to see how that whole, that whole thing plays out. But I mean, they've been very successful at doing it. And it does make it very hard for companies to not do it in those markets and compete because you can't get people in the door if the company that is more modern than yours and more updated and more secure right down the road is 40 bucks a month less than you are on a 10 by 10, right? So yeah. you can't you can't compete on price. And you know, so without without them knowing what's going to happen, they're gonna move into those facilities and you're gonna lose business. And so yeah, stay, staying on top of your market, knowing who's there, what they're charging, that sort of doing some networking with other owners and operators and seeing how they're doing it, it's very important. It's very important, but this is where I, I have to say, and people may disagree with me, but what I tell all owners is, is I always tell, I always ask them, how seriously involved are you in your business? Are you just operating it, just running it? Or are you actually involved in trying to make it better, right? If you're always on the outlook of trying to make it better, you're great. But if you're just trying to maintain, I tell them hire a third-party management company. Right. Because when you're on that level of running a business where you're just maintaining, maintaining means you're going to lose. You're, right. You're, Value will decrease when you're maintaining. Um, so I always recommend if you, depending on what stage you are, where you're at, 
you know, if you're truly involved, invested in your business, and that's what you're solely focused on, and you're understanding your market, and you're on top of your rates, and you're always watching the market and, and making sure that you're properly priced, and you're always trending two, three, five years out, what the values are, then you're 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 in good play. But if you're on maintain level, you definitely need to hire third party management because again, as like I said, moving forward, technology. And going against the corporate and the big companies, it's it, they will they will eat them alive, so to speak. So I, I really recommend making sure if you're not going to watch your business grow, have somebody that has the experience doing it. Awesome, that's a great that's a great piece of advice for sure. So awesome, thank you for sharing. Um, I guess one question I didn't I didn't kind of give you any prep on would be I like to ask people uh, with your own storage facility have you had any horror stories or anything that like any tenants that stick out in your mind that it was just a, a memorable experience that you'd like to share? Well, I'm blessed to say I don't have any horror stories, um, <laughs> okay. but I have I have a story that you know uh, God. God bless um, this customer soul. He recently just passed away uh, three months ago. Um, he, he was an older gentleman that had rented a, a 10 by 20 for 13 years at this facility. Wow. And uh, he had built a, uh, a train, um, one of those train cities, mm-hmm. you know, inside yeah. inside of his unit. Wow. And every day he would come there and work on that train city. And it was just amazing to see, you know, like, you know, how he extended his personal, personal well-being in life into our facility. And, yeah. uh, you know, he was having such pleasure, you know, because I would talk to him That's frequently. Awesome. Whenever, whenever I would stop by, I would see him because he was there for a couple hours each day. And he had such enjoyment, such pleasure. And I said to myself, I never knew somebody, a customer could truly, truly enjoy such a space, you know? Um, And it was just, it was just so warming to to experience that. That's awesome. You know, so that's what I would like to share. Absolutely. Very, very cool. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, so I guess, Andres, kind of to wrap things up for today, uh, how would people reach out to you if they're interested in, uh, you know, working with you possibly as a broker? Um, How would, how would we get in touch with you? Well, uh, there's many ways, uh, you know, they can reach me through my mobile. I, if I can give my mobile out, they can call me anytime. Um, it's 215-850-0450. Or you can reach me at uh, Um, That is our website with all of our current listings and what we've sold and contact information. Everything is there. Uh, I'm on Facebook, Andreas Macris. And same thing, Andreas T. Macris at, uh, on Instagram. So I'm, I'm very reachable. Uh, do not hesitate to give me a call if you have any questions. And what I always tell people uh, when it comes to uh, valuations, if you don't mind, valuations, a lot of, uh, a lot of people come across when, when they're asked, can we do a valuation on your property? And they always, the first thing they say is, I'm not interested in selling. And I always try to explain and bring forth front to all sellers, or, I mean, to all owners. It's not that we're looking for you to sell. We're just trying to educate and advise you on what your property is currently producing and what the future potential could be and what things you need to uh, enhance to get to that valuation, right? Uh, So I always 
let people know that valuations is a projection on and based evaluation on how they're currently doing and what they need to do to get to where they want to be. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll make sure I put uh, links to all of your uh, uh, connections and stuff in, in the notes below uh, on the podcast. That way uh, people can find it without typing it in. So we'll, we'll make thank sure you. those are all there. So, thank Hey man, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate all the insights you shared with us and all the knowledge that you gave. And uh, yeah, it's been great having you on the show. Hope to be back. This podcast episode was brought to you by CC Storage. CC Storage is a property management software that helps you pass the fees of credit card processing onto your customers so you don't pay credit card processing fees ever again. If you enjoyed the podcast, there's a link below where you can fill out a form and be interviewed on the podcast with myself. If that interests you, please click the link below and we'll be in touch. We hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. Don't forget to check back next week for another interview with another self-storage property owner.